Are we ready for the word this morning? Yeah. I want to honor Anita. Just come for a minute. I don't do this enough. So this is my wife. <laughs> and she's really awesome. And uh, and I really want to honor her because, uh, you know, in church, you see maybe 2% of our life. You see us on the platform here and we do our thing and, and it's great. But there's so much behind the scenes stuff that makes Anita very busy. Uh, we run our own cleaning business and that's not a plug because we are too busy. We can't take any more clients. So please don't bring us to clean for you because we'll say no. Uh, so she's busy with that. Um, the last couple of days I've been uh, a little unwell. Um, you can't tell by looking at me, but um, I wouldn't be here if I thought I was contagious. So that's stress. I don't have something I'm going to give you. Uh, we don't know what it is. It's like a virus or something going on inside that's causing a bit of bit of hot and cold sweats and things. But I say all that to say not to get your sympathy. I don't need the sympathy. It's all you can pray for me. Um, we've already prayed for healing for sick people this morning and I was praying for myself in that. Um, but Anita just really, again, stepped up the last couple of days when I'm, you know, Melody's stacked at a netball and done her foot again. You've probably seen her on crutches again. So she, that happened yesterday and uh, a men's brekkie happened yesterday and I ended up being in bed and Anita just pulled it all together and called people and just made it happen. And, and uh, I just really want to honour you and thank you for just being awesome. Oh. Well, when you're married to a good man, you got to have sympathy on the man. You can't help it. <sighs> what a blessing. Thank you, sweetheart. Well, I'm going to pray and we're going to get into the Word of God. Have you got a heart ready to receive this morning? Yes. I'm just so ready to receive from our King. So... Father, I thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity to gather as the body of Christ, as family, your family, those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb who were washed and changed and cleansed and brought into fellowship with the Almighty God. Well, I pray that you would just take me as your vessel today, that you would speak through me, and that, Lord, that people would hear what you're saying to them individually. You're such an incredible God that, that we all hear things that we need to hear. At the same time, Lord, you're, you're amazing. So I just thank you for transforming our lives today. Lord, we didn't come just to be a spectacle or a spectator or just to, to just go through motions. We came to have an encounter with God, one that is living and real and, and alive that will transform us and make us more like Jesus. I'm asking these things in Jesus' name. Amen. amen and amen. I want to talk to you today about having a seat at the king's table. And I'd love you to open your Bibles to 2 Samuel, please. And um, we're going to go to chapter 9. We're going to start with the story of King David uh, now reigning uh, in Jerusalem. He's on the throne. He's the king. But he has something enter his heart. David remembers a covenant that he had made many years ago with his best friend, Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's son and Jonathan and David were in, inseparable. They loved each other so much. It was like they were more than even brothers. They would willingly have died for one another. They loved each other that much as best, best friends. 
But Jonathan dies in the battlefield. And David, David's remembering the covenant that he'd made. And he asked this question. So we pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? I don't know of any other monarch in history that has replaced the old ruling power and they want to know, are there any family members left? Not to kill them, <laughs> but to do some kindness to them. Verse 2 says, And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Zibar. Bit of a zippy bar, you know. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Zibar? And he said, At your service. It's probably like, yeah. Oh, no, I don't want to die. <laughs> I'm here at your service. Verse 3, then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Zebah said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Zebah said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Micah, the son of Amelian, in Lodibar. Who wants to live in Lodibar? <laughs> then King David sent and brought out of the house of Micah, the son of Emilio, from Lodibar. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Zibar, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him and shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Zibah had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Zibah said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. In verse 13, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. What an extraordinary story. Is it any wonder this made it into the pages of history in our Bible? A king seeing worth in a lame man and bringing him to sit at the king's table. Before I unpack this any further, I want to jump over, please, to Matthew. Jesus tells a really interesting parable, and he's describing an event on a much larger scale, but very similar to what has happened here in the book of Samuel. 
So let's go to Matthew chapter uh, 22. Now this is one of those parables that's also recorded in another gospel, in the gospel of Luke, and we're going to layer them because we get uh, more understanding of the parable when we include the two together. But let's have a look at Matthew 22, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Now let me just pause for a minute because my mum was a huge Queen Diana fan. Anybody else in the room? A Princess Diana, I mean. Um, oh my goodness, she used to even collect like things out of magazines and cut them out and she loved it. But um, how many have ever seen a, a royal wedding? Did you ever watch a royal wedding on, on TV? Um, it's, it's something that everybody wants to see. They want to check out the dress. They want to look at all the amazing, you know, everything that goes with it. So Jesus is telling this parable about a king who arranged a marriage for his son. There's a wedding, a royal wedding coming up. Now, most people would only dream of being able to watch the procession from afar. But Jesus goes on to say, and sent out his servants to all those who were invited to the wedding. Imagine getting an invite to a royal wedding. You'd have to be someone who was, you know, who's who's in the zoo sort of thing. You'd have to be up there to have an invite to a royal wedding. But then he says something strange, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, all things are ready, come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about this, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So you imagine walking down the street in Stanthorpe on a Saturday morning, just doing your thing, going to the markets or whatever, and someone in very royal-looking clothing, very official, comes up to you with a very official invite and says, excuse me, you are invited to the royal wedding. Can you make it? You'd be like, are you, sorry, are you talking to me? Um, I don't even really know. the Like, I've heard of them, but I don't know. I don't. I'm no relation. Are you sure you're talking to me? This was the task. They had to go and tell every random person they could find that they were invited to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and they gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. 
And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. All right, I want to unpack some of this this morning. I want to talk to us about what it looks like to be in the family of God. You know, families, they do meals together. They sit around the table. They fellowship. They talk. We have been invited to the most extraordinary position. We've been invited to the table of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of all that we know and all that we are yet to discover. He has invited us to sit at his table, the table of the king, just like Mephibosheth. And just like in this parable Jesus told, it was the ones that were, and this is where we need um, Luke's account. So in Luke 14, we get a little bit more description about the ones that eventually made it to sit at the table with the king for his son's wedding. And uh, so Luke 14, verse 16, I'm going to just pick up the parable there. Um, It says, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you, have me excused. Another said, Well, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you, have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. That's probably for me the lamest excuse at all. (laughs) What wife wouldn't want to go to a wedding? (laughs) So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the what? Lame and the blind. And the servant said to the master, It is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men who were invited shall taste my supper. So the specific ones that we hear are the ones who were in the highways, the hedges, the ones who were blind, lame, maimed, crippled, the ones of society that are usually overlooked. These are the ones invited to come and sit at the king's table. What is the point Jesus is making? Is he saying it's only those with some sort of physical disability or a social impairment um, They're the only ones that are going to be in the kingdom of God. No, I believe what he's saying is these people knew that they were not qualified in their own status and in their own standing. It was the ones that were disqualified that the king 
through invitation and their acceptance of it, he made them qualified. Ephesians tells us something amazing, that before even the foundation of the world, God chose you. Even before he said, let there be light, and light burst into existence across the expanse of the universe. Even before that moment, God had already chosen you. You were already in his heart. He had already predetermined that you would sit at the king's table with him one day and be in his family. He had chosen you. But here's the thing. It said many are called, but few are chosen. The ones who are chosen are the ones who accept the invitation. There was a whole group of people who disqualified themselves because they did not receive the invitation. For whatever reason, their own interests were far more important to them than the interest of the king and spending time with him. All they wanted was to pursue their own goals, their own end game. But there was another group of people that participated in an extravagant wedding feast, unlike anything they'd ever experienced. And I believe today the choice is before us. Do we want to enter into the realms and the wonders and the glory of our king? Do we want to feast at his table? Do we want to hear the conversations of heaven? You know, if you sit at the king's table, then you're privy to the most intimate of information. That is what is available to us, but the choice remains with us. So what was it about the man in the account of the parable in Matthew that was found without a wedding garment? I want to unpack that just a little bit. But to do that, we're going to look at another parable that Jesus shared. And I believe it gives us more insight. So Matthew chapter 20. And this parable is one I've prayed on for a long time. Um, I've asked the Lord to reveal to me what is the meaning of this parable. Because I felt like I only ever knew in part what this was talking about um, but I began to just meditate and read and read and read over this passage again and again and again until uh, yesterday it was like I just got a download from heaven. And all of a sudden I went, aha, I get it. I get it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I get it. So Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go in the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, can you say that after me, eleventh hour? Yeah. This is really important. 
About the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, Will you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or, has, or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. I have pondered and wondered for a long time the, the depth of the meaning of this parable. But yesterday I was always in prayer the Lord began to reveal to me about the 11th hour laborers. Jesus made an interesting statement. He said, the fields are white unto harvest. So don't say it's still four months until the harvest. He said, I want you to lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. So therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Jesus said, you need to pray for something. You need to pray for laborers. Do you know everywhere that I am going, people I'm talking to, people whose homes I clean for, that run their own businesses, they're all saying the same thing. Even a lot of the businesses in town are saying the same thing. We can't get laborers. We can't get laborers. We need workers. How many have seen signs, helpers wanted, ply within? What? What's happened to this generation? Remember the days where you would seek diligently for a job, but you couldn't get one because there was literally nothing available. But now it's the opposite. Employers are seeking people to do the job and there's no one available. It, is it that they're not available or is it that they're too busy pursuing their own interests and they don't want to work? You see, this is what happened. This first parable that I read, you know, in Matthew 22, these people that had once been invited had gotten so consumed with the affairs of this life, they were no longer interested in the invite to a personal sit-down meal with the king. How can someone get to a point that they are disinterested in what most people would consider the honour of a lifetime? I mean, who gets invited to the dinner of a king, all expenses paid, and says, I want to go check out my block of ground. 
Yeah, I've got a lot of plans for that. Sorry, I'm, I'm really busy. I need to just stand on my land and dream and visualize. I can't come. I mean, I think Luke was just like uh, staggered. That's why he recorded some of their excuses because he was like, can you believe? Another guy bought oxen without even seeing them and now he wants to go and test them out right at wedding time. There's all this stuff going on and this other parable, there's these people and they're waiting to be hired. And early in the day, there's a group of people that come in, they agree to work for a denarius and they think, this is amazing. I'm going to get a whole denarius for today's work. That's, that's great. That's nice and fair. And they have their heart in it. They go into that vineyard and they're like, this is awesome. We've been employed. We're going to go and work hard and we're going to get our wages. But this, this landowner, he, he's looking at the vineyard and he's saying, oh, the harvest is ripe. I need more labourers. These guys are great, but they're not going to finish the job. I need more. So he goes back into the marketplace and, and now it's the, the third hour of the day and he sees some more people still unhired and he says, hey, come, come, I have a place for you in my vineyard. I have a work for you to do. I have a purpose for you. You don't need to stand here idle anymore without any goal or any direction or any future. I will give you a purpose and I will give you fulfillment. Come and work in my vineyard. And they come. And at the sixth hour, he goes again. And he says, come, there's still more work. There's so much harvest. I need help to bring it in. Come, come into the vineyard. And he goes again at the ninth hour. And now it's starting to get a bit later in the afternoon. The shadows are starting to come across the vineyard. And he knows that time is about to run out, but there's still a great harvest to bring in. He says, come, come to my vineyard. And at the 11th hour, he finds people in the marketplace. He said, how come you're still here and no one has employed you? And what was the answer? Nobody hired us. Do you know who I believe these people are? The unlikely candidates. You know the ones that, mm, I think I'll take that one. They look a lot stronger and like, no offence, but your education is maybe not exactly where I need it to be, so uh, I'm going to go with this person. They look so much more qualified for the job. These were the people that had willing hearts, but nobody saw their value except for a certain landowner who had a vineyard that needed to be harvested. And he looked at these 11th hour laborers and he said, I see your worth and I see your value and I want you to come and work in my vineyard. And so the 11th hour laborers, they come. Now, what kind of attitude do you think they have? There's one hour left before the sun goes down. How do you think they're going to work? I reckon they're fresh and they're new. And they get in there and they go, right, show us what to do. Okay, yeah, step, step, go, come on, quick, the sun's coming down. Like, bring the arms. The limit of laborers are full of energy and they're ready to go and they're right and they're in there and they're so, and the ones that have been there all day are like, hey, what's up with them? I'm like, so sweaty and hot. And I go, well, they're 
tired. I'm ready to just finish the day. And they're making me exhausted with their energy. Have you ever been around a new believer? What are they like? On fire. You say the word Jesus and you've got their attention. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Some of us who've been laboring in the vineyard our whole lives have completely forgotten the wonder of what it is to serve our king. We've forgotten the, the absolute privilege it is to be a laborer and bring in the harvest for the king. Some of us have gotten to the point that like these ones, they're looking at, at the payday and going, well, that's not fair. It's a bit like the prodigal son, isn't it? The older son was so put out with the party for the younger son's return. Some of us are so hardened that we're no longer even appreciating that we're, we're bringing in the harvest. We're sitting there looking at everybody else going, well, how come they got that? How come they got that? And there's this, this thing that enters our heart that takes away the joy of what we were there for. Remember at the start, these ones were once idle too, but the owner of the vineyard saw worth in them. Come and work for me. I will give you a place and a purpose. I believe this is talking about a twofold thing. One, the grace of God is freely available to all of us, regardless of our race, status, position, past, anything. It's available to us all. But secondly, I believe the Lord is wanting to tell us today that he is raising up 11th hour laborers and the invitation is there. Do you want to be a part of the harvest? Or do you want the ones that, hey, you only got saved three months ago. You can't bring 100 people to Christ. I've been saved for years and I've only brought one. Well, I tell you what, you better look out. Because the 11th hour laborers, they're going to bring in a massive harvest. Because they are fresh and ready and they appreciate, just like Mephibosheth, he was sitting at the table of the king not because of his own status, but because somebody loved him. Even though he was lame, somebody valued him and gave him a purpose and a future and a hope. Mephibosheth was given more land than he could ever use. All his grandfather Saul's inheritance, everything that had once belonged to Saul was restored to Mephibosheth. Do you know, I believe God wants us to understand something. He wants us to walk in the authority and the purpose of the king, but it's going to come with a heart that's willing to first sit at his table and be amazed at his grace. I want to finish with this, and Steve, if you want to go down and let Jody know that I'm ready for them. That one man that was sitting at the wedding feast, now remember it said they went to the highways, and the hedges, they brought in the blind, the maimed, the lame to the wedding feast. And yet there's one guy picked on for not having on a wedding garment. Do you think the ones that just came in off the streets had on their fanciest clothes? I don't. In fact, I reckon the one sitting there that didn't have on a wedding garment, do you know what I reckon his clothes look like? 
I reckon they were like absolutely regal, beautiful looking clothes, amazing. Ironed to perfection. The scripture tells us something that's going to withhold from us everything God has for us, and that is self-righteousness. I believe this man was sitting at the table because he thought he deserved to be there in his own merit. He had on his self-righteousness and, oh, don't I look good. I've earned my place at this table. But around the room, everybody else had been given a robe of righteousness. Not their own righteousness, but the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So when the king comes in and everyone else is in a beautiful white robe of righteousness, the one that's sitting there in his own colored decor, he's standing out. Why? Because he's clothed in self-righteousness. And there's no place at the king's table for those who are self-righteous. Oh, that we could be like Mephibosheth. And we know that we're there because of the grace of our God. That we're made righteous because of Him. That we rejoice to be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. To be part of His family. To hear the conversations that happen at the royal table. That's the invitation for each of us. He says, come, come and sit at my table. Today I believe the Lord wants to restore people in this room. Those who feel like, Hey, I've messed up too bad. I don't don't qualify to sit at the king's table. Well, today God is saying, yes, I will make you worthy. Through the blood of Jesus shed on your behalf, I will make you clean. I will make you whole. Come, will you be one of my laborers? Will you come and fellowship with me? Will you sit at my table? Will you allow me to restore authority to you? When you're seated in heavenly places and you hear what is being said in heaven, then you come in the authority of heaven and you begin to speak into earth what you heard in heaven. You begin to come into this realm and you begin to say, hey, I've been sitting with the king and here's what's on his heart. I know that you're going through a rough time in your life. But I'm here to tell you that the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, he sees you, he knows you, and he's inviting you. Today I'm being sent to your doorstep with a personal invitation from the king to say, I want you. I love you. I sent my son to die for you. We have been entrusted with an invitation. If only we will capture the heart of God that we're here, seated in the heavenly places, and go, Remember Luke's account, the master said, I want my wedding feast. I want every seat at my table full. The sun's going down, the shadows are coming over. It's the 11th hour and God's saying, I want my table full. Go, go with my heart. Find them at Vibosheth and restore them. Tell them there's a place for them in the kingdom of God. 
Go and find the ones who've been blinded their whole life and have gone their own way. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, bring light into their darkness and show the blind that they're welcome at the table of God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Those who receive, who believe, who accept the invitation, they will be saved. (sighs) Well, we have our kids coming up. And I think this is really special. They've been doing a lesson this morning um, on how to serve one another effectively. They've been doing some foot washing and they've made something for every single one of you. And I think there's nothing like coming with the heart of a child and learning and understanding. (sighs) Do you know children have to be taught racism? Did you know that? Have you ever noticed really little children? They just love everyone. My dad sometimes used to like not be bothered to shave and he'd get these little spiky whiskers all over his chin. And I'd like give him a hug and come in and, oh, dad, you're all rough. But when Melody was a little baby, she'd be held by him and he'd hold her like this. She didn't care about his whiskers. She'd just play with her. Oh. She didn't care if he looked all unshaven. So what? Little children have the amazing ability to just love. They don't, they don't care if you're tall, short, fat, skinny, anything, do they? They just love. We're called to be childlike in that regard, to take the invitation of invitations from the King of Kings and to just love, love people and welcome them. Come and sit at the table. And let's not be like the ones who started at the beginning of the day, who despised the 11th hour laborers. We should be so rejoicing together that we were able to bring in the harvest. Because I believe that's what God has for us. Okay, there's getting some final instructions out there. Um, I just I just want to give you an opportunity as well. These children are going to hand something out to each and every one of you. Um, and then they're going to pray for us. Are you willing to receive from a child? <laughs> I remember praying as a kid. Something special. I think I think the heart of our Father really leans in to hear the voice of His children. So come on in. Thank you. <laughs> One of our kids have been learning about this morning Jesus washing our feet and serving. And so our kids have come in this morning to serve you and um, they're going to come around and hand something out to you and then we're going to pray over you as a a group, as our kids and our youth. We're going to stand together and we're going to pray over you and pray over our community as well. So they're just handing out a little scripture verse just as a blessing to let you know that you are blessed and that you are loved, that Jesus loves you, that we love you. And um, our kids are learning wonderful things about serving and about how much Jesus wants us to serve each other. Just come to the front, kids.
me just stand here. If you haven't got one yet, maybe just pop your hand up so the kids can give you one. There's plenty there. Looks like everyone's got them. So if the kids can come down the front and stand in your order.
those that were just so consumed with their own business, they missed the invitation of the King. Father, today I ask you to expose those things in our lives that are holding us back from entering fully into all that you have for us, Lord. Father, capture our hearts afresh like the 11th hour laborers. Let us be on fire for God. Let us be in love with Jesus. Let us be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray you put the sickle in our hand, Father. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to reap the end time harvest in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. It's, um, who, who's had a text message or a phone call from someone this week? Did it, yeah? Were you encouraged? How good is it? We are the body of Christ. So if before we can go and encourage someone else out there, why don't we start by encouraging one another? Send someone a message. Say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of you today. I'm praying for you. Praying for you. That will encourage them. And then don't just say it. Do it. Pray for them. Because we need one another. So, so good. Well, be blessed. Have an awesome week. And uh, we will see you either throughout the week or we will see you next Sunday. So, thank you.